please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. And so, this year we're in um, the Gospel of Mark. That is our Gospel for the year. We will have little pieces of other Gospels here and there, but in our lectionary, our main focus is on Mark. And Mark is the shortest Gospel. It's the first Gospel that was written. And Mark is, um, believes in brevity. He doesn't give a whole lot of details. He just moves the story along. And one of his favorite words is immediately. There is an urgency to Mark's gospel. There is an urgency that we need to understand this good news of Jesus Christ. And so here we are in the first chapter still, right there in Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River, and he hears, this is my son in whom I am well, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit immediately drives him out into the wilderness for 40 days. Now that's all Mark tells us. We know from Matthew and Luke that he was tempted, and it says he was tempted by the devil, but it doesn't give us the details. But we remember from other years that one of the things that Satan says to him is, here, take these stones and turn them into a loaf of bread. And Jesus says, no, you know, um, not by bread alone. You know, man does not live by bread alone, but by the word of God. And then he takes him and sets him on the pinnacle, sets Jesus on the pinnacle of the temple, and says, throw yourself down and the angels will rescue you. And he says, oh, you know, we don't test the Lord our God. And then he takes them up so he can see all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, if you worship me, I will give you all of this. And Jesus says, no, no, worship, I worship God only. And so he's tempted out there, and who knows in how many other ways for 40 days. But Jesus resists. The temptation. So he's out in this very desolate place that doesn't have much to say for itself from the sounds of it. And there he is for 40 days, struggling, suffering, but walking faithfully. And at the end, the angels wait on him and take care of him so that he can be strengthened and go on to his public ministry. Now, the Adam and Eve story is juxtaposed to this because there they are, not in the wilderness, but in the perfect garden where every need is met. They are innocent. They are able just to frolic in the garden all day and eat from everything but one tree in the middle of the garden. One would think that that would be pretty easy to accomplish. And it all seemed to be going okay until Satan shows up in the form of a snake. 
and so the snake is talking to Eve. Uh, Eve, which means the mother of all living. And so the, the snake talks to Eve and says, well, no, you can eat that. It's, it's that God doesn't want you to eat it because then you're going to be like God. You're going to have that wisdom. You're going to know the stuff God knows. And so Eve says, well, okay, I'll have some. And honey, here, would you like some too? And, you know, um, and of course he says, oh, sure. Whatever you say, dear. Because uh, that's what good husbands do. And so they ate the fruit. And then everything changed. They were now aware that they were naked in the garden and they were hiding from God. And God was sort of like, okay, if you're gonna, if you're gonna have all this wisdom and all this knowledge to be able to figure out what's good and what's evil, I'm gonna make you go out there and struggle to figure it out on your own, outside of this garden where you're perfectly taken care of. And so they're going on an opposite journey. And they go out into the world and struggle. And we try during Lent to sort of figure out where do we fit in these stories. And you know, I've got a lot of sympathy for Eve. You know, she's been blamed for the downfall of humankind. And truly, I think that that's unnecessary. You know, Eve was tempted as we all are, and she succumbed to that temptation. But one of the things we learn as we grow and mature is that there are consequences to actions. That there are consequences. And so Eve suffers those consequences, and Adam suffers the consequences for having disobeyed God. Now, the good news is that God was still with them out there, outside of the garden. God did not abandon them. God did not abandon Jesus in the wilderness. God doesn't abandon us. I think we get so concerned that we want to be good Christians, that we want to be good people, that we want to be good mothers, fathers, wives, husbands, children, grandparents, church members, Christians in the world. We want to be good and we want to change the world for good we find ourselves in places of temptation. We find ourselves where we want to just go do the one thing we know God doesn't want us to do. Come on, most of us have raised children. We know what that's like. You can do all these things, but don't do that. What's the only thing they want to do is that. You know, we wouldn't have the concept of reverse psychology if, if we didn't know that this was true. And, you know, if God had said, oh, you know, you, can, you can't eat from any of those trees, trees, only the one in the middle of the garden, probably Adam and Eve would have been okay. But, you know, this sense of we want to do the one thing we can't do. 
And we know that if we're driven out there for 40 days, and we got the power to take those stones and turn them into a loaf of bread, mine would become bread pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, maybe with a little bit of garlic and a little bit of salt, a little bit of butter. You know, I'm not sure I would even get to the point of standing on the pinnacle of the temple. But we find that we succumb to temptation. There's that saying that to, to err is human, to forgive is divine. And there's truth in that. So I'm not saying this is Lent, take a close look at yourself, and then go out and see it in any way that feels good to yourself. Because we know there's a consequence to sin, and in the long run, it doesn't feel good to ourselves. And so instead, we have that assurance that we can try desperately to follow Jesus' example. That we can try desperately to, to say no to temptation and to seek what is good and just for the world. And that when we fall short, we can repent. That is the good news. And remember the, the wonderful the wonderful Hebrew word to shoot, that, 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 that we translate as repent, it means that quick turning back to God. So it's a quick turning. So that when we go off the track, we just say, no, 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 God, help me, get me back on track. And there we go again. You are forgiven. Because as soon as Jesus goes out in his public ministry, he says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has drawn near. Repent. Repent. Turn back to God and believe in the good news. So it's okay if we err. We err because we're human. But it doesn't mean we need to stay in the error of our ways. It doesn't mean that we need to stay in sin and be overcome with guilt and shame. No, it means we can confess, repent to God, turn back to God, and then we are strengthened for the next piece of the journey. We need to learn to live in the present honestly and to move into the future with the goal of love and justice and mercy. And we need to understand that from the past, we learn from it. We learn what went well, we learned our mistakes, we've repented of our mistakes, and that just gives us the foundation to make better decisions next time. I think we can get caught up in a sense of guilt when we're too ashamed to admit to ourselves, let alone to each other and God, that we fall short of the glory of God. 
And yet everyone, uh, every one of us, everyone forever, save Jesus, fell short of the glory of God. And so that is not our story. That is just part of our journey. We fall short, we repent, we return, and we believe in that good news that says to err is human, but to forgive is divine, and we go off into our future. Go off into that future. So in a way where we can believe in that good news, the good news that carries us through years like 2020, even the beginning of 2021, and we live with hope for a future that fills us with all of the blessings that God intends for us. In Jesus' name, may it be so.